1: Hello everyone, welcome to the show that flushes to the beat of a different plumber, better than before. And on our show today, we have Nicholas Vandenberg, the CEO of Chili Piper, and we're going to talk about his entrepreneurial career, selling the first $1 million of product in his company and how empathy plays out in the sales process. Also, I'm going to have five big ideas for elite level sales managers to share with you today. What a show. And we're going to get started right after I tell you that Better Than Before is brought to you by University Subaru. From here, been here, always will be here. University Subaru, your truly locally owned dealer. We fit a lot of life into our Subaru Forester.
2: Over the years, we trusted it to carry and protect the things that were most important to us. We always knew we had a lot of life ahead of us. That's
1: why we chose a car we knew would be there for us through it all.
0: Welcome to the all-new 2019 Subaru Forester, the SUV for all you love. Test drive one today at University Subaru, your truly locally owned dealer. From here, been here, always will be here. Are you working twice as hard but enjoying fewer rewards? Maybe you're highly accomplished but you just can't seem to break through and make the next big move. Or you run a business that has begun to grow stagnant. It doesn't have to stay that way. Even the best leaders have felt as if their careers were spiraling out of control. But that's when they had to lead and lead big. Tony Richards' new book, The Big Idea, 52 Ways to Be a Better Leader Now, will help launch you forward in leadership. Learn how to take charge and lead yourself, lead others, and lead your company. Purchase online today at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and our website, clearvisiondevelopment.com
1: Welcome back to Better Than Before. I'm your host, Tony Richards, and Nicholas Vanderberg is joining us today. He had an interesting beginning. He started his career selling newspapers in the streets of Paris in high school, studied math at Ecole Polytechnique, and then received his MBA from Stanford GSB. He started and sold three tech companies with up to 65 employees and $11 in revenues and also ran sales for a $2 billion telecom firm negotiating billion-dollar deals with companies like Google. Most recently, in 2016, he co-founded his fourth startup and presently is the CEO of software-as-a-service firm Chili Piper, a pioneer in Meijer Enablement. This company is fully distributed, leveraging global talent with employees in 28 cities and 14 countries. Its scheduling platform is used by Intuit, Square, Twilio, and more than 300-plus companies worldwide for multiple use cases from connecting prospects to sales reps instantly upon submitting a form to automating their onboarding processes. Nicholas Bootstrap Chili Piper passed $2 million before attracting $3 million in seed funding in nineteen. and I'm happy to welcome to our show today, Nicholas Vandenberg. Nicholas, welcome. Thanks, Tony. Uh, happy to be here. You bet. I'm so glad that we we're able to have you on with all these wonderful accomplishments, and I'm sure you're a busy guy, so thanks for doing this today. Sure. So let me start out with uh, going back to the bio I just read. So you're a four-time serial tech entrepreneur And so it hasn't been smooth sailing the whole time. Your third tech startup, Floating Apps, was essentially put out of business by Salesforce after it acquired your only two competitors. So this forced you not only to rebrand your present successful startup, it literally got you back out there as CEO and closing a lot of deals. And you closed the first million bucks in revenues yourself in person for Chili Piper. So how'd you do that?
2: How, how, how did I survive, or how did I close the first million? <laughs> Both.
1: How did you, you survive, and, and I'm sure a lot of people want to know how you closed that million.
2: Yeah, yeah. I'll get to the million in a minute. Uh, I'll mention uh, the first of all, the the relaunch and, and rebranding because it was extremely unusual uh, what happened to us. Uh, we were we built so. I, as you mentioned, run large sales teams, and I could tell that the the Story between my sales team and the CRM is usually not a love story, right? They're usually salespeople hate to have to update the CRM. So eventually I thought I'm going to crack that problem. We're going to build an intelligent assistant that goes into their email, their phone call, their calendar and automatically smartly update the CRM in particular salesforce and uh, and there was such a smart idea that two other companies had it at the same time as me one in Israel and one in, in uh, San Francisco, um, and we were all competing and next thing, Salesforce decided to buy not only one, but two of the companies. So one VP bought one company and then Mark many of the founders bought the other company, which I had never seen happen in my life where you have, they, they buy all your competitors. Um, so w- when, when that happens, it's fascinating because uh, everybody around me said, okay, well, you, 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 your business is dead. Um, and so that's when we say, okay, well, what do we do? And we, we, we thought we need to find a narrow problem that um, can, we can, where we can build a solution quickly and get revenues quickly and just be back in existence. Because when, you, when something like that happens, it, it's very difficult to go to uh, raise more money, right? Because people say, well, what happened? Things didn't work out, uh, why would I give you more money? So you really, on your own, you have to be resourceful and um and find a way to get revenue so that's what we did we picked a a narrow uh, problem around scheduling and the handoff between prospecting teams and sales teams and we solved that problem and we uh, had our customers pay up front annually so we were able to bring in cash uh, relatively quickly we targeted the fast growing companies and that, that's, that's how we, uh, we got back to life, pretty much. We rebranded because we were doing something completely different. We went with, uh, you know, it, it's funny people say, why Chili Piper? Because it, 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 the, the name for sure doesn't say anything about what we do. Um, it's a play on the world and Chili Pepper and uh, the Piper, like the he who plays the Piper called the tune and building pipeline. Um, so we, we went with that new name. We went with a new energy and we went after it. And to your question, how do we, did we get to uh, that first million? we had this um, strategy that I call the bullseye strategy. So it's something that I actually didn't invent. I um, borrowed it from uh, LVMH in the fashion industry. So when I moved to New York in the early 2000, uh, Louis Vuitton was doing 150 million uh, in revenues in the US. And they did something smart with that bullseye strategy. They started targeting famous people and get them photographed with uh, the Vuitton bags. Then they got into these big cities and they got these celebrities come to parties with socialites and they then photograph the socialites. And from there, it extended where uh, everybody we see in the news, these people who are very influential uh, um, carrying Louis Vuitton and that got them to $2 billion in revenues in five years. So I, 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 I took a page from that book um, it's called the bullseye because it goes um, in concentric circles right you, you first target the most important uh, people and then it naturally extends because they are very influential in the market so we picked these companies we we went after uh, some people we went after companies with no business going after because um, a third customer is was a square uh, the payment company and if you think uh it's very hard to get business from this type of company, but um, we put a lot of energy into it. Once we had Square as customer, of course, it was much easier to go to uh, um, regular companies and say, "Look, uh, these you know thought leaders, these thought leaders use our product. Obviously, they know something that you don't know yet, but you're about to find that. You should buy our product." So that's how we did it, and that generated a lot of inbound. So a lot of companies came to us and say, "Hey, I just booked a meeting with uh, Square." It was such a great experience. I saw it was uh, powered by Chili Piper. Can you um, tell me more about it? And then we'd close deals uh, that way. So that got us all the way to uh, a million in revenue. That's how we did it.
1: That's fantastic. So using the bullseye strategy, how long did it take you to get to a million? Uh, it took us 18 months. 18 months. So yeah. what was, do you remember what the average order was?
2: We, we started, um, uh, it was around six thousand six uh, six seven thousand dollars because we had we charged three hundred dollars a year a user and uh, we had a fair amount of companies uh, just buying uh, 10 or 12 licenses so it was a three thousand and then we had the bigger ones buying more like 50 or 80 licenses so that that got there and then we got into bigger companies so uh then we, we could multi-hundred and, and multi-thousand deals, uh, that so that our ACV is much higher now. It's uh, uh, around 12k.
1: So let's dig in a little deeper about just the sales uh, as a philosophy, and I know a lot of people think that sales skills are real mysterious because closers come in all sorts of flavors. Some are shy, some are extroverted, some are bulls in china shops, some work uh, crazy hours, others are called lazy, but a lot of people believe that they have one thing in common, and this is particularly in neuroscientific circles, which I know you've studied quite a bit, and this is what I want to talk to you about, but that's using the skill of empathy and recent findings in neuroscience uh, prove this might not be the truth, but what are your thoughts on that?
2: No, absolutely, and you're exactly right. There's something fascinating about that uh, this uh, cliche view of a salesperson as somebody outspoken and and loud and taking people for dinner and uh, when you're performing sales teams uh, you know very well that's not the case Uh, often introvert and shy people do extremely well in sales so for the longest time i've I've wondered what is it that makes these salespeople successful and um often people would say well at least they have to have some people skills um and that by that they mean some empathy and um I went to Stanford in the mid 90s and Steve Jobs came to talk to us and, he, and people would refer him as the best salesman in the world. And um, then I read about him and I say, well, that doesn't strike me as a guy with a lot of empathy. You know, he, he didn't recognize his daughter for the longest time. He insulted his employees. He's not, uh, he doesn't come to mind and say, wow, there's so much empathy for the rest of the world. And yet, and yet he is uh, very strong uh, at sales. So it's only um, 10 years later, um, as I was uh, attending some, uh, as you mentioned, um, uh, seminars on on neuroscience that uh, some of their findings strike me, Um, they found that there are two different skills, empathy and what they call theory of mind. Um, empathy is similar to contagion is the thought that you see somebody happy you empathize you happy also somebody sad you empathize you sad also where a theory of mind is this much more um, cognitive ability to read the emotion of the other person and also read their motivation so you you do not need to uh, feel joy or sadness you just sense that that joy sadness is there and you sense Uh, what um, motivates people to move. And what they found that's fascinating is that it's two completely different um, circuits in the brain. So uh, if you put them in a big MRI, uh, when people empathize, you see some part of the brain light up. And when people uh, exercise their theory of mind, you see a different part of the brain uh, light up. And that makes sense. It's just two different things. So it doesn't mean you can't have empathy uh, to be a good salesperson. Um, because it's something different, but you do need the theory of mind, um, and that—that that for me, um, the nice thing about it is that it reconciles with the data, right? The data. We, why Steve Jobs or, or you know, or, or dear President Donald Trump does an amazing thing job at convincing people, and yet he's also not a big empathizer, right? So he has something. Uh, he's able to read things in a way that uh, that helps him. Him be so convincing, um, and that concept of theory of mind and and that uh, neuroscience behind it just puts all the pieces together.
1: So let me let me see if I understand this correctly. So, mm-hmm. theory of mind is my ability to recognize it in others, but yet not be affected by it myself. Is that right?
2: No, no, no. It, 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 it doesn't matter if you affected or not. Affected is a different issue. Is the ability to uh, Recognizing in in others uh, in a very fine level of 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 intelligence, right? So it's just this ability to understand, like uh, Steve Jobs would would know, uh, not only uh, that opening a box with white box would make them happy, but also that putting the button on the in the middle in the bottom is going to uh, make it easier for them to press the button, right? So he, he can read not only the emotions, but also the, the motivations for the behavior. And that, that, that's is, is intelligent, that theory of mind.
1: So the theory of mind, I'm just getting this down for myself, but theory of mind is I have the ability to recognize it in others, but I may not have it. Is that right?
2: Yeah, that's right. That's right. You may not feel that emotion, but you recognize it in others. Yeah.
1: I, I see. Okay. So, so taking this back to the sales uh, application, So you have to understand and take into account these emotions from other people, but you don't, you're not necessarily affected by it. Is that right?
2: Yeah, that's exactly right.
1: So how, how do, how do you apply this in sales? I mean, use the Trump example, how else, what's another example?
2: Uh, yeah, right. Uh, I, I, I did not hire Trump to be my lead salesperson, although you argue that you would do it well. Uh, so that's a good question. Now that we have this piece of knowledge, is uh, how do we bring it, make it work? Right. Um, so uh, on multiple levels. First is. Um, you want to recruit people who have that skill, like that talent, because that's something that's very difficult to acquire. So uh, we do more emphasis on role play uh, in our recruiting process. And the role play is very much, um, you know, we put in situations where there's something happening and, and, and the candidate has to recognize what's happening in the motivation factor. So do a really good job at, the, at that dis- discovery stage. Then we do a lot of coaching, uh, at chili pepper with our sales team, and and the coaching is very much also focused on this ability to understand where um, where the prospect is going. We call it uh, motivating the champion. So uh, understanding what uh, emotion is going to help uh, the prospect move in the right in the right direction. And that um, what we found is that there are many uh, uh, techniques. Um, that work better. A good example in our space is um, ask the prospect to share the screen. So we do a lot of our sales remotely. And um, somebody would come in and say, hey, I have a problem with my uh, team. We are inbound, Uh, we lose a lot of them. And I heard you have a solution that can book meetings directly on my website. So that's the case indeed. And instead of just going straight into the demo, right? When you show the uh, solution, we say, but why don't you show me uh, how it works today and share your screen? And as they share their screen, they they experience the the frustration of the current solution, right? So they they they, they and you can't avoid it. You, you if you share the screen, you show your stuff. The emotion comes. So we see on, on their face that they get very frustrated and say, "Okay, now come to our website and book with us." And it's 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 a two-click process to book with us so then they share the joy of uh, of, of booking with us and this contrast in emotion inevitably uh, um, is going to get this prospect to move with us to the next stage right because it, you, you, you experience that so we're able to uh, to implement that even in our process on the other side uh, we find that if um, we make a recruiting error and we bring somebody who doesn't have this ability to read the emotion, then it's not something we can teach. So we can help those who have it practiced, but those who don't see it, or well, at least I haven't found uh, the miracle solution to uh, to teach it. So, you know, I'll, I'll have somebody uh, say, look at that call. You can tell at this stage, the guy is frustrated. Why didn't you act on it? And the person said, yeah, 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 I see that. Not as you say it, I see it, but at the time I didn't see it. And, and, and that is uh, Um, not something that I found a way to fix. So you're looking for people. So when you're in the hiring
1: process, you're looking for people who can identify these emotional traits or whatever in the other person, and then they have rapport and bonding skills then? Well, um, yeah,
2: yeah. So we have this uh, philosophy of uh, core value of help, helping uh, you know, so for sure, we want people who are helpful. Um, there are different level of uh, rapport and bonding, and it's actually less critical than you would expect. I mean, obviously, uh, if you bond is great, but you know, in the end, we sell to marketers, they're going to increase the conversion rates. They don't do it because they're your friend. Right? They don't buy from us because our raptors become their friend. They buy from us because it's going to double their pipeline and, and fix their problem. Yes, that's right. they fix their problem. Yeah. Right. So the, the the bonding is is a nice to have. Uh, obviously, you don't want to be obnoxious because you can kill the deal. But but it it does not turn out to be critical in our process. But the ability to read the motivation and the in the emotion of, of the person um, is what's critical. A good example in our case. Um, when they install chili Piper on their website to book meetings directly there, um, they're going to typically have a concern on how much time and it's going to take to change that process and how hard it's going to be, right? So you get these fears and uh, and that's going to appear inevitably and you want to be able to address it at the right time in the right way. So you need to be able to read at, at that time that the prospect is now thinking of changing and is now thinking that, uh, it's going to be difficult. It's going to break. It may you may uh, um, have a hard time doing it, and and that's the right time to address it. So it it's um, it works in all directions, but it's very much uh, um, uh, that trait or that ability that we found is most critical. You
1: know, I want to ask you a question about early in your life because in your bio. It said you started your career selling newspapers in the streets of Paris. Um, What was it? What was the inciting event for you that led you into thinking that, hey, sales might be something I should do, need to do, or might like doing?
2: Uh, The fact that I sold uh, about. Twenty-two times more newspaper than everybody else.
1: <laughs> you thought, hey, I'm, I might. This might be something for me, huh?
2: So, so, so that that uh, yeah, that's right. That's that I, I enjoyed it. I, I could tell I was good at it, and and uh, I thought there's something uh, special about sales. Um, the, the satisfaction of uh, you know moving people in 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 the direction that's good for both parties. I, I love that. So. Um, yeah, it appeared very early on, and um, it, um, it it turned out to be applicable to all sorts of circumstances. So after I, I finished uh, college, I went to work in uh, strategy consulting. So uh, you know, it, it was a bunch of partners from the Boston Consulting Group who had started their own fund, and I, I started working with them. Um, on these big uh, companies' problems, which I find intellectually very exciting. And very quickly, I thought, I want to sell um, to these people. I I don't only want to solve these complex strategic problems for, for example, we worked for Lloyds Bank in the UK or some large companies in Europe. I want to sell to them. And I was 26, I think, when I sold uh, my first million dollar deal uh, to, to one of these, uh, bigger open, uh, conglomerate. And, and I just love that process. It was just in me.
1: Well, there's something exciting about providing solutions for people and also providing them with something that they need or solving a problem. Let me ask you right. this. Let me ask you this question. Um, we've got a lot of executives and a lot of people, uh, who listen to this show who hire, a lot of salespeople. So what's your best advice for what they should be looking
2: for when they're hiring sales reps? I would strongly advise to do a role play. I think a role play is going to be the place where, um, everything comes to the surface. It's, it's, it's amazing. Uh, but it sounds artificial, right? That you just pretend that you're doing something and you pretend that you're a buyer, but yet, um, Every, every truth comes out in the role play. So that, that would be my, my number one advice. my my, uh, the, the, the flip side of the coin is that I would also advise to uh, discount how they portray their past experience. So every Catoxative or every SDR who comes to us says, uh, I was the top SDR, I was the top sales guy, um, or they'll show you things that cross so many deals. And um, and then, if you dig further, you that it's a twist on the truth, or maybe it's the truth, but there was some particular context, and that that data is uh, is actually unreliable. So um, it's pretty much you know you can ignore what they say about their past. Get them to do a role play, and everything will come come out. That's what I, I would uh, advise everybody uh, who's hiring a salesperson to do. And do you videotape or record it? Or yeah, videotaping is a good idea so that you can look at it with more. Um, distance and read again and how people re- reacted to it but even if you don't re- videotape it, um, it, it, it things come out very cl- quickly like you you get people who get angry on on the call uh, on the role play even though you, you know they like th- scream at you even though they know the interview process and they know they're not supposed to scream at the uh, obviously the hiring person Um, but it's just the role play it takes over and and they do it so you 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 get the feedback very uh, immediately so
1: we're talking with uh, nicholas vanderberg ceo of the software as a service firm chili piper and uh, nicholas before we let you go we ask every guest who comes on the show 12 rapid fire questions so these are just uh, to get our audience a little more familiar with you are you ready
2: uh, yeah, I wasn't prepared, but I'll do my best. Yeah, That's
1: okay. That's okay. I don't think you'll struggle with these. Number one is, what's the best memory that comes to mind for you in your life?
2: Uh, for sure. The, uh, I've tried to put at the same level uh, the my uh, marriage, my wedding with my wife, and the birth of my kids. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. These life events are irre- irreplaceable. What's your wife's names and, uh, name? Ali, your- Ali, Ali, Alina. Alina is my wife, and uh, it turns out she's my co founder uh, at Chili Viper.
1: And what are your kids' names?
2: So, uh, Lila, L, and Hugo. Wonderful. Who's the number one hero in your life? Uh, I'm afraid I've got to repeat again. Sorry, my wife, <laughs> she's my co founder. Uh, uh, she's uh she's uh full of uh intelligence energy uh, positiveness uh, she's my hero
1: okay what's the top value you subscribe to
2: goodwill goodwill and by that i mean always assuming the best and always wanting the best for people that doesn't mean that uh you can't Punish or, or or when things go wrong or express things go wrong. But the basic uh, assumption to do is me. I want the best for other people.
1: And who's the most important person in your life?
2: You're trying to make me repeat my wife again, but that's what I will say.
1: Okay. What's your favorite thing in the
2: whole world? My favorite thing in the world, were object, you mean, right? I, I would sure. say pr- probably my. Uh, uh, Mac equipment, so my laptop and my iPhone. Um, Let me do all the things, read, uh, contact phone, s- see my kids on FaceTime. That's my favorite device.
1: What's your favorite food?
2: Well, as you can tell, I'm French, so uh, uh, I got to go with um, uh, some so my my mother uh, used to feed me raw ro- horse meat when I was uh, little. That was supposed to be very healthy, uh, but I'll take a good steak over that. A good French steak is uh, my favorite food.
1: Most beautiful place you've ever visited?
2: Most mm. beautiful place. There's a lot of them uh, that that i uh, I'm a big uh, fan of, but um, I would say uh, Corsica. Okay. Island in the south of France, uh, where mountains, uh, heat the water is absolutely stunning.
1: If you could describe success in one word, what would that word be?
2: Achievements. I would say, uh, it's not so much about the money you make or, or the, uh, or the, uh, um, regard is what you set your goal and uh, what you're able to achieve against your goal that success.
1: How do you want to be remembered?
2: As somebody who cared and um, helped others.
1: If you could go back and talk to young Nicholas and you could give some advice, what would that advice be?
2: I would uh, give him the advice to uh, believe in yourself much earlier okay um that's what i was doing
1: what's your favorite sound
2: my favorite sound uh my favorite sound uh, would be uh, a symphony by philip glass the uh, new york um, composer
1: and finally what is the best lesson you've learned
2: the lessons I've learned and I'll make it more, um, relevant to, to, to the business discussion we had is, um, to not overreact in business because when, that, when, when that thing happened, we discussed, uh, with Salesforce it turned out that I could have continued and, and still be successful, but often you get advice from other people, uh, who tend to, uh, um, and have their own views and the, the, the Stronger system is uh, at whenever something happened, takes a distance, look at the facts as they are. Don't, don't, don't rush into a decision. And, and, um, and often things are not as bad as you think.
1: Nicholas Vandenberg, everyone. He is the CEO of chili Piper and, uh, Nicholas, tell everybody how to find out more about you and your company.
2: Well, um, Go to our website, uh, www.chilipiper.com, C-H-I-L-I-P-I-P-E-R. Um, We actually uh, use our own tool on our website. So if you come to us, you submit the form, you'll book a meeting immediately with us, and you'll be able to get in touch with uh, somebody on our team. That's the best way to get in touch.
1: Nicholas, I am very, very appreciative of you uh, scheduling out some time to visit with us today.
2: My pleasure. Thank you very much, Tony. All right, Nicholas Vandenberg of
1: Chili Piper, everyone. I'll have more on Better Than Before right after this. We fit a lot of life into our Subaru Forester. Over the years,
2: we trusted it to carry and protect the things that were most important to us.
1: We always knew we had a lot of life ahead of us that's why we chose a car we knew would be there for us through it all
0: welcome to the all-new 2019 subaru forester the suv for all you love test drive one today at university subaru your truly locally owned dealer from here been here always will be here receive weekly coaching tips from tony richards delivered straight to your inbox Whether you're a CEO or an entrepreneur, Tony can help you reach your goals and give you a competitive edge within your industry. Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo covers topics ranging from leadership development to teamwork to company culture and more. Text the word leadership to 38470 to sign up for Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo or sign up online at clearvisiondevelopment.com.
1: Welcome back to better than before. I'm your host, Tony Richards. And today I've got five big ideas for elite level sales managers. So here are five things that elite level sales managers could really focus on. Number one, win their hearts because challenging times are a coming. You're going to have to have some mediocre to bad years. And That's just the way the business cycle works. And when those times come, you need your sales reps support. And the rapid pace of change in business today is enough to throw organizations into chaos. So you need to make sure your salespeople believe in the changes that are happening, both in the economy, in the sandbox, and also in your own organization. And For you to fill in the blanks about the future within your organization, make them feel and know that they are an important part of the future company, not just the organization that is today, but the organization that will be. Big idea number two for elite level sales managers, where there's smoke, there's probably an inferno. Most sales managers give a lot of latitude, autonomy, and trust to their salespeople, and that is wonderful and highly recommended. But every now and then you're gonna find that one of your sales reps maybe cheated on some mileage reports, perhaps cheated on expenses that maybe shouldn't have really been charged, or maybe they told a little fib on the CRM about sales calls. And in every case here, they've betrayed your trust. They've misled you in some way, some small some, some, some small and some big. They've also betrayed the trust of the company. And in my experience, any smoke means that there's probably more there than meets the eye. And it's your job to look into it, dig deeper, and don't just continue to trust and ignore. Big idea number three, you can never communicate too much. You're always going to have to choose on a trade-off with your people. It's either going to be not enough communication or too many meetings. I would always choose too many meetings especially during times of intense change. Now people don't hate meetings, they hate bad meetings. So you got to pull out all the stops to help your sales reps understand the picture very clearly. Your structure, your roles and accountabilities, your expectations, the reasons and the rationale of everything you do. Create a strong story and a strong rhythm of communication that communicates your story and your message to your team very clearly And very consistently. Big idea number four for elite level sales managers hit your own objectives and goals. Yes, that's right. You might say, well, my job is to help others succeed, and that's wonderful. And yes, I understand that you should be doing that. And at the same time, you need your own priorities, you need your own metrics. And you need a few of your own uh, that only apply to your position in the organization. Of course, their results are going to flow up to you, right? And you're going to have team metrics, but you need a couple of individual metrics that are going to continue to challenge, continue to motivate, continue to stretch you, continue to make your growth work hard, to stay focused and be an example that others will want to follow and aspire to. You know, I always wanted to be the kind of manager that other people wanted to be, where it's like, well, I'd like to get into management because of that person. You don't want to be the example of why they never want to be a manager. Big idea number five for elite level sales managers, listen, learn, and laugh a lot. Active listening is hard to do. It's going to require you to sharpen up and tune up your high emotional intelligence skills, One of those being turning down the volume of your own stream of dialogue in your head, your self-talk, and your own judgment or approval of what your sales reps are saying to you. Just actually actively listen to what they're saying. And you'll be able to tell you're doing that, and they will be able to tell you're doing that, because instead of being right on top of everything they say, like a ping-pong match, you'll actually have some pregnant pauses where you're actively considering what they have suggested or said to you. Like I said, don't just be on top of their every sentence. Actually take it in, process it, and then respond on purpose. Constant learning means you're working hard to stay relevant in today's rapidly changing business environment. It doesn't take very long to fall behind. That's how fast change is going. So you're really going to have to make an effort to consistently learn and stay relevant. And finally, lots of laughing. Keep it as light as you possibly can. Sales can be fun. Work at it. It's all going to start with you and your leadership. That's our show today, and we want to thank Nicholas Vandenberg for being our special guest to teaching us about uh, emotional intelligence and uh, also neuroscience in the sales process. We're brought to you by University Subaru. From here, been here, always will be here. University Subaru, your truly locally owned dealer. If you would, do us a favor and give us a five star rating for our show. And follow us on Twitter at Tony Richards4 and at ClearVisionDEV. On behalf of our associate producer, Whitney Coker, and chief producer, William Foster, we'll see you next week. I'm Tony Richards reminding you that everything gets better when you get better.
0: Thank you for listening to Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast powered by Clear Vision Development Group. For more resources from Tony, visit clearvisiondevelopment.com. Join us next time for another episode of Better Than Before with Tony Richards.